1: FM Talk
0: Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts.
1: Well, we will um, have Congressman Jason Smith on the show on Monday. I know he'll have some reactions to what happened during the midterms. We'll still be counting until probably next Thanksgiving. I don't know if we'll have... Uh, I can't figure... Why? Why does this take
2: so long? Uh, ah. Third
1: world country. So we live in a third world country. I don't know if you know that we can't catch count votes here hey. in this country. The whole thing is just ridiculous at this point. Um, But, you know, it's even more worrying for the Republicans right now because I'm not so sure. I felt pretty good about Laxalt in Nevada, and I'm not sure if his lead's going to hold up. And then you have Arizona where... Blake Masters uh, is down almost 100,000 votes right now, so not very likely. But look, what, what happened? We, this is the question that we've been asking. We talked about it on the roundtable earlier this afternoon. Tom Lipson is with us. He's the editor and publisher of The American Thinker. He wrote a piece about why the red tsunami seemingly has only hit Florida. Thomas Lipson, how are you? Welcome to 97.1 FM Talk.
0: Thanks. I'm great. Well, what's, let, me get you, here. let me get your
1: thoughts just first on all this counting and everything that's going on because, you know, the state of Florida was able to return. I was working election night by about eight thirty, eight forty-five. I knew most of what happened in Florida, and we're not going to know what happens in Arizona or Nevada maybe for several days or weeks. Now, I understand that the voting laws are different, but this does not really instill faith in the democracy, does it?
0: Absolutely, and uh, it's a disgrace. Uh, it's It's worse than most of the third world countries. Uh, and it's got to be deliberate. Uh, There's more time for mischief. There's more time for lawsuits. Uh, There's the expression sue to blue, meaning uh, drag it out and use the courts to uh, dig up ballots and uh, okay them or okay mail-in ballots that are not properly filled out, all those things, which has been done a number of times. Uh, Florida, as you probably know, uh, was uh, a national laughingstock in the 2000 election, when we had all the hanging chads, and uh, oh, I remember it well.
1: I remember it well. Yeah, that was quite the time, wasn't it?
0: And and with that, uh, Florida was able to reform its voting laws to uh, allow uh, mail-in votes, but only absentee and only if requested by the voter and only or, or the voter's immediate family or guardian. So no mass mailings. And the the vote the absentee ballot had to be uh, requested about ten days. Uh, before the election, and it had to be received on election day, so Florida is able to uh, to count its mail-in ballots on the morning of election day, uh, and and produce a, a final result within the day. Uh, here, I'm, I'm in Arizona right now, and th- th- you get nothing but double talk from the Maricopa County officials. Uh, it's 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 an absolute disgrace, and I, I have, well. The locals, the people who know, say that it's very likely, given the votes that haven't been counted, where they're coming from, the sections of Maricopa County, it's it's very, very likely that Kerry Lake is going to win. Right. And per- pretty likely that, that Blake Masters is going to win, although less less certain uh, than, than Kerry yeah, Lake. Yeah, and,
1: and that's what I hear as well. I just think that, that total for Masters seems uh, a little too much to overcome. Uh, have you looked
0: at the Nevada numbers recently in, in your I thoughts on Laxalt I've been— uh, Wrapped up here in Arizona, but uh, please tell me what's going on. Well, no, and I just
1: think we talked about it a little bit earlier, and I can check the numbers as we talk right now, but it seems like some of the people that are saying, you know, with optimism about. Arizona, not necessarily saying that about Laxalt in Nevada. So that that obviously can put, well, now now we're not only not talking about Republican control, but we're talking about Democrat control, maybe not even this tie situation. So right now it looks like Laxalt's holding on by just 11,000 votes. If you don't think your vote matters after the last, you know, 12 years of elections that have been really, really tight, it's 49 to 48 percent. And that is razor sharp with a lot of votes. I mean, still tens of thousands of votes out on that one as well, I think.
0: Yes, yes, big, uh, large amounts of votes out. And I understand they're mostly from Clark County, but also from northern Nevada, which is pretty heavily uh, GOP leaning.
1: Yeah, the Reno area. So it's both corners of the state, the the northwest corner, the south, uh, essentially, I guess, the southeast corner. So let's let's get into Florida, though, here. Tom, and, and tell me why you think that this happened in Florida. I mean, what Ron DeSantis did down there, turning that state more red maybe than in here in Missouri is, is quite an accomplishment. We talked about it. I did this political roundtable on Fridays and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you mentioned, I know in your column, some of the things that happened with, uh, with COVID that I think he was vindicated on. But the other thing I think you can't ignore is that he sort of governed, didn't he? He did his job yes. in Florida and the people rewarded him.
0: He, he had results to point to and he's gutsy He's sincere. You know, there are a lot of politicians that are fake or come across as fake. And and that's not true for Ron DeSantis. He's, he, he says what he thinks. He's direct. He's he's gutsy. He's not afraid to take on Disney, the largest uh, private employer in the state. Uh, he stands up for what he believes, and he speaks in a way that everybody can understand. He's, he, he's not a double talker. Uh, so so that I, I think voters respond to a genuine presence, and they respond to somebody who who says what he thinks and stands up for it and isn 't afraid of a fight uh, you, you know when when he stood up to Disney, I was concerned because of the the level of employment that they have in in, in Florida. A lot of people have their 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 livelihoods depend on Disney, but I think he made a he 's a very shrewd guy and he made a calculus that Disney can't pick up uh, Disney 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 World and move it to Nebraska. You know, you you can't do it. It's it's stuck there. So Disney had no choice but to deal with the government there. And he punished them. He took away their special tax privileges and made them taxed like any other landowner in in Florida. And they got the message and they caved. So uh, that's very, very important. Uh, I, I think. You know, the, what we've been talking about, the voter integrity uh, issue is is very important. And then the last point I think that's very, very important is that he spoke to the Hispanic vote. and yes, this is uh, big, right. They went very strongly for him. That Miami-Dade is, I think, 70 percent Hispanic, something like that. It's, it's the most populous county in Florida. And the Hispanic vote shifted massively for him. Uh, the last Republican that won it was Jeb Bush. Whose, whose wife is Hispanic and who speaks Spanish, uh, but uh, since then, GOP hasn't won it there. He won Palm Beach County, which is notoriously liberal. Uh, he, 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 uh, he, again, he, he took decisive action. You all remember the, the horrible school shooting and the incompetent sheriff, uh, uh, Israel, who Satis fired when, when he took office. He, he's not afraid to do what needs to be done, and he explains it in plain language to the voters, and they respond to that. Uh, I, I'd also note that the other governor who prominently stood up against COVID lockdowns and school uh, shut, shutting was uh, Christy Noem of South Dakota, and she won with a 27-point uh, uh, margin. Now, South Dakota it was already a red state. Florida was a purple state. Ron DeSantis won by a fraction of 1% four years ago. He won by 20% this time. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it is. That it's amazing. never happened.
1: So, Thomas Livson from the American Thinkers with us, I only have a couple more minutes, but I want you to handicap um, the cage match that's going to go on. It's already started. Trump, DeSantis. Oh, yeah, what happens yeah. here?
0: Well, frankly, I was as enthusiastic a Trump supporter as you can find, and I've had it. I, I want, if, if, if it comes down to a choice between the two men, I want DeSantis to run. Trump has alienated too many people. I think one of the key lessons of this election is that there was massive turnout uh, for, for the, the Democrats. They called it democracy being threatened or fascism. That's all code for I hate Trump. And
1: well, I'm with you on this, and I you know, I, I, do think that Trump's getting maybe a little bit too much of the blame because there were certainly other factors, but I, yeah. I, I, I'm I, sensing for more and more people that are they're two-time Trump voters, people who really support him, that have kind of moved in the other direction. The other thing, though, the other side of this is, look, I love DeSantis. I've been following him for a while. We've been talking to him here on this show, but he's 44. He's untested nationally, so yeah. it's a little early, but I like the fact that there's some good options out there, Thomas, moving forward. There's no doubt about it.
0: Yep. And the, the the flip side of that age coin is that Trump will be as old as Biden was when he took office if he's uh, uh, reelected uh, next time out. And we've seen how age is a factor with Biden. So, uh, I Let, let's be, just uh,
1: hope we don't see age as a factor after 2024, because now I'm concerned Biden's going to get in this thing. And I, I think we're no. not. Yeah, that would be kind of sad. Tom, listen, thank you so much. I got to move on here. Got a couple other segments on this Friday evening, but I really appreciate the American thinker on a regular basis. And good luck in Arizona keeping track of things.
0: Thank you, Mark. All right. Take care.
1: My uh, my good friend Simon Rose, who is essentially a communist, but I still love him. We did radio together many years ago. He's going to call the. Um, well, he's a little liberal. Sue so gave me this look. I mean, maybe he's not a communist, but he's kind he's he's very liberal. That's fair. We had many moments of disagreement on the radio, but he is going to call the. Um, the new uh, soccer game for the City 2 game wow. next Wednesday at the MLS Stadium. So that's going to well, be that's cool. a lot of fun. He'll give us a preview. Plus, I think this draft is taking place like tonight. We're gonna wow, that's exciting. I thought you were about talking about the draft in here, and that's why I've got my well, <laughs> code that. In, in the blanket on. Yeah, there is that. All right, uh, Lauren Simonetti is with me from Fox Business Network, and we're going to talk about inflation and things along those lines. But this is what Joe Biden said, I think, yesterday.
0: Inflation came down last month. And mainstream economists are saying this is a really positive sign of the resilience of the economic recovery. We are laser focused on it. That's why it's so critical for us to pass important legislation this year to lower those costs for families.
1: So that's Biden earlier this week on inflation. Uh, Lauren Simonetti is with us, Fox Business correspondent, to talk about if we did get a little bit of good news. I know the markets have responded somewhat positively. Lauren, how are you this afternoon?
2: Oh, I'm so glad it's Friday. What a
1: week. <laughs> yeah, it has been one of those weeks. There's no doubt about that with all the politics. And I'm looking forward to kind of getting away from it. I'm going deer hunting this weekend. So I'm guessing that oh. might not be your thing, but at least I get to be in the middle of the woods and not pay attention to all the media nonsense.
2: Um, I'm very envious, actually. No, it's not my thing, but I'm up for trying. Where are you, where are you doing
1: that, by the way? <laughs> in, here in uh, the middle part of Missouri, in Howard County, Missouri, just north of Columbia. I saw that you went to Columbia University. You know, the University of Missouri's got a pretty good journalism school. That's where I went, right down, they the, do. uh, yeah, right down the road from us here, oh, between Columbia, well, wait. between Kansas City and St. Louis.
2: Don't tell anybody I, I never took a journalism class. Oh! <gasps>
1: Yeah, you were, were you you a business, were you a business major? Well, no, you're, no, I don't, because you were smarter. Were you a business
2: major? No. Why the heck do you have me on (laughs) to talk about business journalism? (laughs) I've been doing it for over 20 years.
1: (laughs) What, what was your degree in? You went to, I'm looking at the bio right now, so you went to George Washington University and then a master's at Columbia.
2: Oh, I went for the very useful, useful uh, pursuit of comparative literature with a concentration in Shakespearean literature. Yes. Yeah.
1: So Joe but Biden I, 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 so Joe
2: Biden just helped you out with all those student
1: loans, right, Lauren? That's what I'm hearing. <laughs>
2: oh man, oh man. Look, this is what I say. I always wanted to talk to real people. I wanted to be, you know, in the nitty-gritty with the news, but I love I was passionate about writing. So I was sitting in like the dusty old library shelves of Columbia University while I was interning at CBS. And I just said, Yeah, this isn't helping anybody. So I got done with my masters. I finished up all my internships, and I started working for CNN on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, and I realized this is my path, and I'm self-taught.
1: Well, that's awesome. I love that story, and let me kind of piggyback on that when it comes to real people, because one of the things that I've said, and I think it's a good time to talk about this in the aftermath of the midterms, and nothing really ever changes, is I would love for, you know, back in the day— there used to be bureaus in, in different cities, not necessarily a bureau in St. Louis. But what would be the problem with having people come to the middle part of the country or Ohio or, you know, somewhere where real people live and talk to them about inflation or things that really affect them? Because it doesn't seem like we ever get those representations from the national media, which frustrates some of us in the flyover states.
2: I, I You're right. I think Fox Business tries to do that. But to your point, well, where are our bureaus? Let's open up a bureau right by you. I'm
1: I'm game. I I think it would be actually interesting to have more of a middle of the country connection on some stories. I know that there's always Chicago correspondents and they'll they'll head down here when we have stories. But it was just a it's an idea that's never manifested itself. It's just in my tiny little brain Uh, on the topic, Lauren, of inflation. Did we get a little good news yesterday?
2: Yes, 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 yes. Hard. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Here's the problem. I looked at 16 different brokerages with their estimates for how high inflation was going to be on an annual basis in October. Mm -hmm. And the numbers were 78 to 8.1%. It came in at 7.7%. Bang! The market just, like, explodes. It's the biggest explosion in the stock market that has ever been seen after a CPI report comes out, consumer price inflation. But it's at 7.7%. When President Biden came into office, it was at 1.4 percent, and the Federal Reserve wants it at 2 percent. So overjoyous that it has moderated, that perhaps the number peaked in June at over 9 percent when gas prices were super, 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 super duper high. It's come down ever since. So that's just it, it, it's giving investors a little bit of relief that okay things are headed in the right direction. Can I just share one thing with you? I wrote sure. it down. Okay. On Monday, election eve, right, the Dow rose 424 points because people are excited, right? Things are going to happen, things might change. Then comes election day, right? Very exciting, huge turnout at the polls. The Dow rallies another 300 plus points. Wednesday, the day after, the result, you know, those results sink in. Doesn't look like there is a red wave, and the Dow drops almost 700 points. And then you have yesterday. Completely forget politics. Investors see this little bit of good news on the inflation front, and the market goes up 1,200 Dow points. And the NASDAQ, which is the tech-heavy index, it adds $1 trillion in in value, in market value, in one day. It's unheard of. So now we're at Friday, and it's just been such a crazy week. We get this data on – how consumers feel, how people feel. It's the University of Michigan consumer sentiment data. It was for November. So they they were taking this information, asking people in the days before they went to go vote. And the number was, I don't want to say terrible, but it it wasn't good. And everybody said, well, yeah, we think things are getting worse going forward and inflation's still a problem. So I'm sitting here scratching my head because if that's, what we say why do we vote the way that we vote why wasn't there a red wave if inflation is such a problem and we don't like that we can't afford to gas up or to buy certain things anymore because it's become such a problem why did we vote the way we voted I'm still scratching yeah, my yeah, I am
1: too. i'm I'm baffled by a lot of it. And I was one of those who was on the uh, maybe the upper end of the red wave tsunami spectrum in my predictions, which I've already requested my team here and my producers to put duct tape over my mouth the next time I try to make a political prediction, Lauren, because I'm not very good at it. But it is confusing. and and I, you know, I we all know that elections are local. all elections are local, but there were some weird decisions just given the uh, the nature of where the economy is right now. So, Heading into this last quarter in the final part of the year and after the election and going into next year, energy prices are still going to stay high. Where do we see the relief in inflation? Because one of the things that we also know about this report is in some parts of the country, it's even more than 7%, right? Or 7.7. Oh, 7. um, yeah.
2: Let me give you some, some more numbers. So um, fuel oil, I mean, you've got to heat your home, right? Fuel oil is up 68.5% in the past 12 months sixty eight and a yeah, half
1: percent that's a huge number so you know
2: you you came in to me with the sound bite from President Biden, and you know I think he has ammunition now where he can just continue with the policies that he's been doing, continue to do that, okay, you know what if that's how America voted, I'm fine with that, but there are two policies I think he could um change, tweak, lighten up, and that's the energy policy in this country because you cannot get inflation down when you have gasoline prices very high and you have heating oil prices very high as well. You've got to do something there. The other issue is, does inflation come down? Well, shelter, rent, housing costs. That's a huge chunk of the consumer price data, and that's something that's sticky, right? A quarter of Americans rent, you negotiate rent what, once a year, rents up the most on an annual basis in 40 years, just like inflation. It's up seven and a half percent on the year. So, you know what? M- make it easier. Fix some of the zoning laws where builders can build more because we have a supply issue. So, you know, he's talking about not shifting on any policies. Those are two suggestions. Um, where Democrats and Republicans together can come up with some sort of legislation that gives Americans relief right now.
1: Well, you you would hope that they'd actually try to solve some problems, you know, in January. But I'm I'm not fully confident that that will happen here for a while. And I don't know where this takes us, you know. And I, I was reading something in the Washington Post this morning because I think those of us who are homeowners and don't rent are worried about what housing prices might do with mortgage rates at seven percent, right?
2: Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I, I am so happy. I think I were at 3.5%. I never refinanced. I probably should have. But now I feel like I got the best deal in the world. Um, yeah, your mortgages, prices have come down a little bit for housing, but not enough to justify the, the, the skyrocketing in the mortgage rate. And, and, you know, that's kind of the point of this task that the Federal Reserve has, which is breaking parts of the economy. Not too much, but just a little bit to help bring down inflation. And they're trying to do that in the job market, but they have done that in the housing market. Um, So, yeah, there is a housing market recession. All the data points to that. Is it going to be the 08 financial crisis? No. I haven't met anybody who said it's going to get to that extent. But, yeah, that's a market that the Fed has broken because we've seen it was 2.98% the 30-year a fixed mortgage rate per Freddie Mac one year ago, and now crazy? it's at nearly seven point one percent, two point nine eight to seven point zero eight. Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, in a year, that that's the thing. Uh, Lauren Simonetti, always great to talk with someone from Fox Business Network. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much for the update this afternoon. Good to talk to you. Have a good one. Joy hunting. Thank you, Lauren. See you. We finally get our first soccer game at what's now called City Park Centene, of course, backing out of the, uh, the naming rights deal. So next Wednesday night, um, City 2 will open up the stadium with an actual game. We're going to air it on our sister station, KMOX, and my old friend Simon Rose, who's in Columbia, he's done radio there for a long time. He uh, is on KFRU where we worked together 30 years ago and also BXR Radio in the afternoon. How are you, Simon Rose? Welcome back. I'm
3: fine, Mark. How are you?
1: Fantastic. You know, I'm heading your way this weekend. You can kind of guess probably why, right?
3: <laughs> Let me guess. Uh, you're out to kill stuff.
1: <laughs> yep, we're coming to Howard County. But you know what? This is what's interesting. You might not even know this. Yeah, I tell this story from time to time. You actually have a very, I can't even say indirect, it's really kind of a direct role in in the, uh, the gang that I hang with this weekend with Deer Camp. And just to refresh your memory, so back in the day 30 years ago, there used to be this weird group of people. We loved them. They were called the Perchy Creek Yakla. Perchy Creek is an actual yes. creek but these guys kind of got together and they had they had an old boat they they you know put it in the homecoming parade but they also did some philanthropic things like um well Simon this is where you know the urban area gets a little bit of um, education on the rural area remember cow Paddy bingo remember cow patty bingo I, rem-
3: I remember it well ma'am yeah <laughs> so
1: you'd have people ask me what is that well you know you got uh, a bunch of cows you got squares you put money on a square just like bingo and if the cow does its deal you might win some money in the charity gets some of that too but anyway there was one moment where somebody called the show who was a member of the Perchy creek yacht club and you and i were arguing about guns because uh simon is a communist socialist from manchester England. and we we had differences of opinions on a lot of different things so kevin invited us both kevin yeager who became a dear friend of mine to shoot guns and you you wimped of course i Agreed to do it, and he grandfathered me into his deer camp, and and this is very, it really is sincerely special to me because I was the final person, really, that is outside of family, like extended family, when people got married, that was invited into a group of people who had hunted together for a long time. So I know you make fun of it, but it's kind of a special weekend for me, and you played a role, Simon Rose, so look at that connection.
3: Well, I'm happy to hear it, and I apologize to the deer, which is going to get it, that I played a role in that. So,
1: <laughs> Well, we, uh, we do go way back, and I was telling this story just yesterday, I think, and I was explaining to Sue that when we met, we're basically the same age. I'm, I'm 57. You're 57, right? I am. We had very little in common on politics, but we bonded on music. And there was a a great band from England, UFO, that most people have never heard of. Michael Shanker was the guitar player. And I think that's what kind of brought us together. When we realized we were both UFO fans, we could overlook all of our political differences.
3: Music brings people together, Mark. And that was true then, and it's still true today.
1: It is. You know, I remember I talked about this recently, too. You remember going to that Oasis show? when not yes. a whole lot of people knew who Oasis was at, yes. the, at the Blue Note. That was pretty amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we saw them a few times back in the day, but I find myself saying back in the day a lot more these days, Mark, don't you?
1: Well, the other thing that we have back in the day is that Simon used to literally drive me up the flipping wall with the talk about the football. And I mean, you would, back then in the 90s, look, you didn't have all this social media and even cable TV. You would sit up there in the office at our building and you'd listen to these games on the shortwave radio, right?
3: That's exactly right, Mark. Shortwave radio was the only way to get English games live. And now, look where we are and what we're about to talk about. I'm so excited about Wednesday.
1: Well, Simon thinks that he's been vindicated because all those years I made fun of soccer and I pretty much claimed it was ruining America, which I think to a certain extent it was. And then I married a soccer player and I have a daughter that's played soccer. Yeah, my my wife played collegiate soccer. So you, you loved that. But you know what? On a serious note, Simon, I've said this many times. I could not be more excited about what's about to happen here in St. Louis with this new stadium and with the team. I I think it's going to be awesome for the city. I can't wait to see games. I know that the city is excited. So let's talk about, first and foremost, what's going to happen next week when the the stadium finally opens with SC2. And I'm a little bit confused, so you have to walk me through this and bear with me as you might know my soccer ignorance. This is not the team that will be playing next year. This is sort of the developmental league team. Is that accurate? Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's accurate. St. Louis City, too, and they've been playing in the MLS Next Pro League. But you'll see a number of the players that are in this team end up on the full MLS squad next year. They're still in the process. In fact, the expansion draft is this evening at 6 of putting together the squad that will actually take the field in the MLS proper next season. But this is a good chance for the coaches and everybody to take a look at these guys on the new field. There's going to be a huge crowd. You know, St. Louis, Mark, kind of was the soccer city. It's the soccer city, but it's, you know, I've never figured out why it's taken so long for St. Louis, the soccer city in the U.S., to finally get a fully professional MLS team, and here we are finally.
1: Well, it's it's awesome news. By the way, you might be surprised, and I honest to God, I was watching this live, and my wife wasn't even watching it, but during the final on Saturday between Philadelphia and L.A., it was a, a, I'm sure, it was a hell of a finish. I couldn't turn it off at the end. <laughs> yeah. It went yeah, to Simon, it went so. to PK's as we call it in, in football. I don't know if you know that term, but that's um Uh Yeah. So who um who is the hope for this team in in I don't know how this all works with a draft, but are we able to like in the NFL you're able to pluck from other teams or in the NHL when you have an expansion draft. Does that happen right now? It, yeah, it happens tonight. That's but what's it's happening. very
3: weird in the MLS. Yeah, it's a crazy, it's a crazy draft system in the MLS. The best person to, who's been covering it, Tom Timmerman, read him in the Post-Dispatch. He seems to be one of the few people besides the coaches who fully understands the way the MLS draft works, Mark. But basically tonight, uh, they get to pick five players who are unprotected by other teams. Then they can. there's a good chance they might take a player and then trade them away, kind of like they do, I think, in NFL or baseball almost immediately. It's a, it's a very complicated process, Mark, one that takes a while to get your head around. But what you should know is, The team is going to come together here in the next few weeks as all this. And then the Super Draft comes in, which is the college players. So it is very complicated. And you can see why it takes a while for the full team to just come together in time for the, the regular season, if you will, which starts in a few months.
1: But in a process like this, would there be the possibility of the expectation that even with an expansion team, they will be competitive because of the way they do this?
3: Yeah, it has happened, Mark. And in fact, a couple of times they've kind of learned from the draft. In years past, the expansion draft allowed more players to be taken, and that meant that some of the the teams that went right in became very competitive right off the bat. They've tried to kind of tamp that down and even out the whole process now by cutting it down to five. But absolutely, there's a chance that they could be competitive. This is going to be a a very well-coached team. They've done their homework the next boat, uh, the MLS St. Louis city two team did really well this season. And were close to a, a, a full title rather than a divisional title, but just winning their first trophy was really something, Mark. And I think that sets them up really nicely to be good in their first full MLS season.
1: Simon Rose from Columbia. He works on the radio there. He's going to call the game on Wednesday night that will air on our sister station, KMOX. Have you been to the stadium? Have you seen it yet?
3: Mark, I have been right by the stadium at night. It was beautiful. But the day of the tour, I missed it because I happened to actually be in England. So I missed the grand tour. I can't wait to see the stadium. I'm going to get there early on Wednesday. I'm really looking forward to it. I've heard nothing but great things.
1: Hey, how were things back home? I know you made it back recently, as you said. So how were things across the pond?
3: Well, I was there for one of Liz Truss's few weeks. (laughs) Actually, You mean few hours. A few hours, yeah. She actually, the week I was back, she introduced her so-called mini budget, which crashed the economy and ended her career within two weeks. So it was eventful.
1: That was really, I I did cover that. And it was, um, you know, in the middle of a bunch of things happening, obviously here politically. So I think a lot of people weren't dialed into it. But fascinating, the way that you uh, weirdos you know, do politics over there. The same way you pronounce Cuba with an R and stuff like that. Simon Rose, great to have you on. Look, have fun. Come see us in the studio next week. We'll do another hit and preview the game.
3: I would love to do that, Mark. Thanks a lot and take care and uh, I hope the deer avoid you this weekend.
1: We'll see you. See ya. Now,
3: the audio cut of the day.
1: Audio Cut of the Day is sponsored by my friends at the Good Feet Store, where it's all about comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief. And if you're looking for another exhibit of media bias, and this one, this one's a tricky one, too. And I, every time I read things like this, I think, no, this can't be true. This really didn't happen. But in fact, it did. There's a show out there that's called The Good Fight. Uh, I think it's on CBS, Christine Baranski. And in this particular episode, it's the sixth and final season of Uh, The finale was on last night, I guess, um, the finale season, right? It was called The End of Everything, and there was a character, Diane Lockhart, who's played by Christine Baranski, met with someone named Felix Staples, who is a flamboyant gay provocateur who has made appearances in earlier seasons. Right. Well, he claims that he was sexually assaulted by none other than Florida governor Ron DeSantis. Now, keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen,
0: this isn't real. This is a TV show. I offered my political services to Governor DeSantis. He saw me in my bicycle shorts, worn (laughs) purely for medical reasons. Uh And he invited me onto his staff. Little did I know what he meant by staff. Oh, my God. God. Yes, Diane. That's
1: who I pray to. This actually gets pretty good. It's pretty funny if you know the context of this. And by the way, at the end, the guy ends up, and I'm just going to tell you just so people don't think it's real, the guy makes a confession at the end that puts the kibosh on his accusation. But this goes on. As well as my close friend and,
0: and mentor, Roger Stone, who informed me that a demonic portal has opened up over the Florida state capitol. I didn't believe him.
1: <laughs> so the team, the team of lawyers... I don't know this show. I don't know why anyone will watch this show, but they do.
0: Don't act like you're pursuing the truth. This is just a way to take out Ron DeSantis because he's testing the highest against Biden. It's the only reason why we would ever listen to a a, a termite like Felix Staples. Felix Staples is a Republican. What if he's telling the truth?
1: Okay, well, he's not telling the truth. He eventually confesses to fabricating all the allegations just to tarnish Ron DeSantis. Or should we say Ron DeSanctimonious, like Trump's been calling him this week? He, he lied about the whole thing, right? He, he made it all up and he did it to tarnish DeSantis because he wants to put Trump ahead. So that's the final episode, or I guess the final, I don't even know if it's the finale or if it was the finale season. I don't really care because the whole thing is ridiculous. However, I thought this was interesting because there's, um, <laughs> there's another scene. I'm not going to play the audio, but just reading the transcript here is rather amazing. From an earlier show, this is um, one of the transcripts. Felix. Well, it's not what I need, Diane. It's what you need. As you may know, I'm no longer gay. Diane, you're not? Felix, no. I don't ever think I was. I'm with a wonderful woman now. Chelena. Chelana. But in my case, I was interning for a certain governor, and he took me to Texas for CPAC. Back at the hotel, I argued with him that I was not gay and I would not have sex with him, but he would not take no for an answer, and he forced me to fillet him. I was repulsed. I threatened to go to the HR, and he fired me to HR, not to the HR. That's why I'm here today. Marissa, tell me which governor. Felix, well, as you know, I have my pick of any job in Republican circles. But I'm also an elite member of the Disney World loyalty program, which is why I agreed to intern for Governor Ron DeSantis. At this point, ladies and gentlemen, the question and the only question you should be asking yourself is how the hell did this show last six seasons with that awful writing? Have a great weekend. We'll talk on Monday afternoon.
2: Get more at
3: 971talk.com.
0: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.